when we talk about how do we live longer, right? How do we live better with age? How do we function optimally as we get older? What does that really mean? Yeah, we're of course, we're talking at a cellular level, but more specifically for many conditions that we're trying to avoid, like heart attacks, we're talking about the inner lining of the arteries called the endothelial cells. It turns out that these cells are crucially important, of course, to keep healthy, to prevent things like heart attacks. And there's a layer within that layer called the glycocalyx that we need to keep healthy. Today's conversation is with Dr. Miles Spar, who leads and health clinical practice, which delivers whole person specialty care to patients with chronic diseases and focuses on accessibility and personalization. Dr. Spar completed his formal training in integrative medicine at the University of Arizona, Andrew Weil Center for Integrative Medicine, while establishing and running a free integrative medicine program at the FQC. HC in LA. Dr. Spar was named Physician of the Year by the American Board of Integrative Medicine in 2023, and he has written books on men's health. One of them is Optimal Men's Health, published in 2020 with Oxford University, and the Integrative Men's Health book, published with Oxford University as well, Press, which is the line of Andrew Wall Integrative Medicine books that I was a part of in the Integrative Sexual Health book. Enjoy my conversation with Miles Spar, excellent individual, really smart guy, a men's health guy on the inner lining of the artery. How do we keep it healthy? What's the guy called Calix? Dr. Miles Spar, let's go. <music> Welcome to the Dr. Geo podcast. I am your host, Dr. Geo, where it is my intention and my goal to help you improve and optimize your prostate health and help you live better with age. Today, we have our guest, Dr. Miles Spar. Miles, thanks so much for being on this cold Saturday morning here in New York. I think you're in New York, right? Today, we have our guest, Dr. Miles Spar. Miles, thanks so much for being on this cold Saturday morning here in New York. York. I think you're in New York, right? Somewhere upstate. I now? am, but I'm hope I'm inside. <laughs> it is <friggin laughs> Greg. I would hope yeah. so. I would hope so. So so am I. Really nice for you to be on. Thank you so much, Miles. You've been. I remember a while ago, and I know that things have. We'll talk a little bit about the company that you're involved in now, because I think you're doing great things in the area of autoimmune disease. We'll talk about that a little bit. I remember, you know, years ago, maybe about ten years ago, where uh, we were writing the book on the uh, Andrew Wild right. series of books, right. right? Integrative sexual health. I was writing and they send me this book integrative men's health and you know you're the editor yes. i was like who is this masked man right <laughs> like zorro right who is this masked right. man and then we got to know each other at conferences and things it's like wow amazing because it seems like it seems like not a lot of effort is put to towards men's health when you look at when you look at the many of the conferences so when you look at the presentations you know it's primarily female health or diseases that are associated primarily with female right. health. So it's interesting that you had an interest in that and you worked in the space for a while and you wrote this excellent book that we can certainly plug in because it's really well written. What sparked at least the interest back then in terms of you know, focusing more and getting involved in writing a whole book on integrative male health. Yeah. Thanks for asking. Well, yes, yeah, so I edited that book and then I actually wrote a, another book called Optimal Men's Health, which is a little more recent, which your listeners might find a little more approachable. The integrative men's health was also great, but a little bit more around 
depends on the audience, really. For practitioners, integrative men's health is great. For the non-practitioner, optimal men's health. And really, it came about actually talking to Andy Weil, who's a mentor of mine. I've trained with him and a colleague and was looking at his series that he had, like the one that you're part of with integrative sexual health. And I saw they had integrative women's health. They had integrative pediatrics. They had integrative psychology, integrative gastroenterology. Oncology. Yeah, yeah, like everything and nothing on men's health. And so I said to him, you know, why is that? What's going on here? And he just said that the impression really, it, I, I don't want to quote him as saying this, but the feeling in the field was basically everything is men's health, except for the things that are specifically female health around gynecologic issues, obstetrical issues, maternal and child health issues, but everything else is kind of men's health. And I thought, well, n- you know, no, not so much. There's, <laughs> there's actually a lot specific to men's health. And so I started doing research yeah. and finding, you know, which I'm, I know you've talked about on this podcast, men are winning at nine of the top 10 causes of preventable death. You know, men have shorter life expectancy. And so then I said, well, is that genetic? What is that? And then you look and it's not genetic. It's a lar- largely preventable lifestyle related, behavioral related reasons that it's incumbent upon us as clinicians to educate men around what they can do to close that gap, not to have women die sooner, but at least have men live longer. And so that's what it just really got me into that. And so after I looked into that and I presented that to him and said, no, there's actually some specific unique issues, obviously around prostate health and urologic health, but even around other causes of early mortality among men when they have the same exact condition as women and die sooner, that is germane to men's health. And so that's what led me into pitching that. And he was right on board with it. So we went with that. And then just to add to that, I would say the other thing as I was researching that book and why I wrote the next book is because I found our colleagues in the integrative functional lifestyle medicine world are largely speaking language that resonates more with women than with men. And that, so yeah, Yeah. you know, around prevention and wellness, which is great. And a lot of people who think like stereotypical men respond to that. But a lot of people who think like stereotypical men, and I use that language because I don't want to be completely stereotyping men. And, but a lot of people who think like a stereotypical man think about what is this going to do for me? What is the outcome? What is the goal? And they need to have that concrete idea as opposed to an abstract notion of prevention and wellness in order to change a diet or start a new exercise regimen or take supplements. And so I felt like it was important to approach men's health also, not just the content, but the messaging around goal orientation as opposed to abstract notions of wellness. Yeah, I always say men, (laughs) you know, the word health is ambiguous to men. It doesn't mean anything. Right. Hey, do this. Hey, change your diet, exercise more, sleep better for better health. What? Right. What what is that? You know, they need specific goals. Exactly. Let's start with, you know, how not to die. Right. right? I know there's a book written. Let's start like how not to die prematurely. And then performance. And these are the things I was, you know, men, I've said on the podcast before, they care about performance. They don't care about health. They say they care about health. They think they should care about health, but really they care about performance. How can I, you know, work better, work more, have more energy, you know, do better in the bedroom. Right. On the athletic These field. are the things yeah. that they care about. Exactly. Yeah, athletic. Right? Exactly. And health is a means to that. It's definitely, but it's not the end in yeah. of itself. I think that's the difference. Some people can think of, okay, health is an important goal, but for most guys, you know, I'm not going to not eat a hot dog in the name of health, but if I understand right. that, a healthier arterial system means more blood flow and that means better erections, then maybe I won't eat the hot dog. You know, it's about like, (laughs) like, what is it really going to matter to me? 
Yeah. And you know, erections matter more than one would think to men. I mean that, you know, I see them every day in my clinical world. And, you know, some guys that come in with high PSAs, biopsy, maybe prostate cancer, their decision making is oftentimes geared towards, all right, what's this going to do to my erections? Not necessarily what's going to cure me initially anyway. It's like, okay, great. I get it. These are my options. How about my erections? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So- you know, and it's a fascinating thing, honestly. And maybe you, maybe similar to you, I found that I got into men's health early on. I was even still a naturopathic medical student. And in our clinic as students, I just attracted a lot of men. Then I got a great opportunity to work with somebody I knew. I didn't even know he was a urologist to work in his urology office and do prostate exams. And I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Yeah. yeah. Well, putting fingers up people's butts and <laughs> feeling their prostate. I was like, this is the most amazing thing in the world. I'm going to be the foremost integrative naturopathic right. doctor. And, right? Right. and then, and then it was like, wow, like I'm so interested in this. I, you know, I bought your book a little bit later on because it was published a little bit later yeah. on. I bought every, I was just became immersed. Yeah. I was like, holy cow. Yeah. I want to help people, but I also want to help myself. Yeah, yeah. So it wasn't a completely altruistic initially. It was like, I want to learn things from myself. Right. And at the time when my dad was still alive, I want to learn things from my dad who always had a prostate problem. Yeah. And it, from there, it, came, it went on to, you know, what it is now, yeah. which is a wonderful, I could not have chosen a, a better specialty. So do you feel that in your research back then with Andrew Weil, he's like, wait a minute, this is things that if it's not important for me now, I'm sure it'll be important for me later on. Yeah. I, I mean, I think a lot of us in the medical profession go into things because of ourselves or family members suffering from it. I see that all the time. Rheumatologists go into it because they had a parent with rheumatoid arthritis and psychiatrists who are out there listening. A lot of you are a little nutso and that's why you went into it. (laughs) They're trying to fix themselves or their parents. Right. That's right. Right. So, yeah, absolutely. I mean, for me, you know, my father actually had his first heart attack when I was four years old. He was in his 30s. Wow. Yeah. And so, thank God he's still with us. He was one of the very first people to have bypass surgery down in Houston by Denton Cooley and that whole gang who invented the procedure to bakey all of them at Texas Heart Institute. And then he ended up being one of the first to have a redo 10 years later, one of the first to have another redo another 10 years later. He's 92, still going strong. And so I think that was definitely something that, you know, I was interested in keeping him alive and helping with that and seeing that my mom made sure from that early age, we started looking at diet. Now, back then, diet for our family was margarine because that's what we were told. <laughs> sure, much better than butter. Better than butter. That's what we were back told. Then, this is the 70s. And, you know, but still just the concept that what you do and how you eat affects your health was something that was ingrained in me from the time I was literally four years old. Whereas, so it's surprising to me when I talk to guys who are in their 50s and they're like, oh, really? What I eat actually can impact how I feel and how long I live. So I think the lack of knowledge around that surprised me in medical school and made me even more want to talk about that with guys. I love it. I love it. Going right in. So you mentioned arterial health once before in this conversation. Now you mentioned your dad's history with cardiovascular right. disease. We, you know, number one killer in the world, probably, you know, within our last, I don't know, we've been on, the, we've been talking for 10 minutes. You know, there's been a couple of guys around the world who've had right. a heart attack, right? It happens like every 30 seconds is, you know, while, and yes, prostate cancer. I talk a lot about prostate cancer. People are like, oh my God, prostate. Yes, it's right. a thing. But 
oftentimes I have to redirect the focus. I say, yep, is a thing. The chances of you dying for prostate depends on many things, right? Stage and things. It's in most cases it's slim. You can still die from right. a heart attack. It's still the number one killer in the world. Every 30 seconds, somebody is dying from a right. heart attack. The and I have a great, great cardiologist on for Joel mm. Khan, who you probably yep. know, Alan Gittick, Mount Sinai. I don't know if you know, he's a great yeah. cardiologist. And we start talking about, you know, this there's a you know, at a very micro level, right? So there's this plaque that forms. And we're trying to prevent that plaque from forming. And then we're trying. So we go through that process. I don't want to kind of go through exactly because it is in the other podcast episodes. But the point I'm, I want to make is this. the If you're asking me, I like big mm-hmm. picture, right? Big picture. How do we, you know, how do we, how we do better right, with age, right. right? How do we live right. longer, right? As men, because that's my specialty. I've come to the conclusion that, you know, taking care specific, specifically of smooth mm-hmm. muscles is important. Right. So smooth muscles. So for the audience, there's three types of muscle, skeletal muscle, cardiac muscle around your heart and smooth muscle. Smooth muscle is your bladder, your arteries, your, your blood vessels, prostate. There's smooth muscles in the prostate. Right. So healthier, smooth muscles help with, you know, not only living longer, but, you know, performing better with age, doing better with age. And then let's go a little mm-hmm. bit further. That in that endothelial right. cell, right? That inside layer where sort of probably everything begins and everything can probably right. end if you don't take right. care of that. Can you talk a little bit about that in a simple way, as simple as possible in terms of what is this endothelial cells and why, what do they do and why are they so important? Yeah. So endothelial cells are the cells that line your blood vessels, right? And we have actually 60,000 miles of blood vessels around our body. Miles, M-I-L-E-S, not not M-Y. Just Just want to make sure. Just want to make sure. That would be hard to get any kind of following on social media if I'm competing with 59,999 others. Yeah, 60,000 miles. But it's crazy when you think about that. And so number one, cardiovascular disease is a big problem if there's any kind of damage to that endothelium, that lining of all those blood vessels. But also think about any of your listeners that do anything for longevity, taking supplements, doing special workouts, that all those things you're doing has to get to the tissue where they're going to have any kind of impact and it gets there through blood vessels. And to get there through blood vessels, it needs to go past all these, this the endothelial lining that's lining all your blood vessels. And it's not like these are just tubes. We now know, and that's kind of what we learned in med school from what I remember is they basically are just tubes, Mm -hmm. right? That, yeah, the arteries have muscles so they can contract, but they don't do much else. Well, that isn't true. We now know that these cells, these endothelial cells actually are very metabolically active. They can be selectively permeable and kind of dictate what things get absorbed and what don't. They can affect platelet stickiness, which is what can lead to plaque and lead to blockage. And that's what leads to a heart attack or a stroke. They affect white blood cell or leukocyte adhesion. They affect inflammation. We know heart attack strokes are not just plaque, but it's inflamed plaque. So you actually could have some plaque in there, but if it's not inflamed, you're much less likely to suddenly have a blood clot and a complete obstruction causing a heart attack or stroke. And you could have a little bit of plaque, but if it's very inflamed, then you could much more easily have it turn into a complete blockage and a heart attack or stroke. So what determines whether that plaque is inflamed or not? It's that what's happening in that endothelium. So it's this whole lining that is really upstream of any 
problems you have that like we think about as a heart attack or stroke. It's also very affected by oxidative stress. All the things we think about that affect heart disease risk affect that endothelial lining. And that's really the mechanism through which smoking, high blood sugar, high blood pressure affect heart disease risk is through damaging that lining, that endothelial, those endothelial cells and causing endothelial dysfunction. What are the, what are some of the signs, Miles? So what is it that I would feel if I, before the heart Mm -hmm. attack, right? So certainly, again, we won't talk a whole lot about heart attacks that we talk about that with other experts during this month, but is there anything that I would feel? So for example, in my world, if you're my patient and you come in and say, look, I haven't had an erection in three months, uh, red flags. Right. I didn't. Ha- I couldn't get an erection last night. Nah, no. Pr- I mean, that could be right, many right. things, right? That could be psychological. That could be, or you know, but three yeah. months, six yeah. months, and this is for people that are not on ADT for prostate cancer. This is just a, a population that you know, no, pr- not prostate cancer right. related. Yeah, right. absolutely. Right away, cardiology, you know, lipid, you know, cardiovascular exactly. panel. And that's what it worries me. Some of these guys go to like the online places where you can order Viagra and Cialis and they don't get that workup. And it really can be the canary in the coal mine, like you say, because no matter what your listeners think about the size of their penis, if you your penile artery is going to be one of your small arteries. Sorry, guys, no matter what. Yep, and yep. when it's one of the small yep. arteries, that means if you have this disease of endothelial dysfunction and plaque or atherosclerosis, it's going to be noticed in one of the places where that artery is smallest because any obstruction in that small artery is going to be noticed by you. You're not going to notice a little bit of obstruction in your carotid artery until it's really obstructed, right? It's a pretty big artery. You have plenty of blood flow, even if it's 50% occluded. But that little penile artery, if it's 50% occluded, you're going to notice a big difference in how much blood flow. And obviously for erections, it's all about blood flow. So that is one of the first places you're going to notice that as a guy. So absolutely to your point, you don't want to just get a Band-Aid and treat the symptom and do whatever you can to get the blood flow there, you want to figure out, well, why don't I have good blood flow there? Is there something going on that could actually be a great early warning sign that I also have that same disease of endothelial dysfunction, atherosclerosis in arteries around my heart that I need to know about and treat before it causes a big problem. Is there another sign that we should be looking for that's unrelated to... I mean, obviously chest pain, right? That's a big one. So if you're having chest pain or angina, which is when you're especially working out hard or stressed or causing your heart rate to go up and you suddenly feel heaviness in your chest or you feel tingling down your arm. Those are big signs. You go to the emergency room and get that checked out. Other than that, you know, one thing that we have noticed, some guys will notice a little bit of early cognitive decline, I would say. Guys are a little more sensitive to that these days. It's not necessarily related to blood flow, but it could be. So Mm -hmm. obviously that's something to get checked out. Those are really the main things. There's not much else. I mean, I think in a way it's good to have ED as a barometer because there's not much else in terms of early signs of knowing if your blood flow isn't good. Certainly if you're noticing blood flow in your extremities, but that's usually a different issue. If you've noticed getting cold fingers or cold toes, that's actually something completely different generally. So there's not much else unless you're thinking of something that I'm not thinking of that I can think of that's a good early indicator. No, I'm always, you know, the more men's health work I do and urological health work I do, 
the more I think I like, okay, am I missing something? Yeah. That's why I really ask. It's, just, it's a genuine authentic yeah. question. It's like, am I missing something? No, yeah. nothing else early. That's the thing. And that's why, you know, I think a lot of our colleagues, we look at, let's start screening with different blood tests, do genetic tests to see, are you at higher risk? I'm a big fan of doing some of the genetic tests and then doing much better screening than just a lipid panel, looking at some of these other markers like LP little a and ApoB to see, are you at higher risk? And then if you are to get a coronary calcium scan or even a soft plaque test to see if you actually have some obstruction early on, or you could get an ultrasound of the vessels in your neck to see early on, because it is really hard to know. And by the time symptoms develop, it can be pretty severe. You know, isn't it amazing that men have a <laughs> penis other than for procreation and, you know, satisfaction? I mean, it is truly a barometer to one's health and one's cardiovascular yeah, health. exactly. And it's important to look at it as such and not just, again, treat the symptom and ignore what could be going on upstream. Absolutely. No pun intended. <laughs> so, so you mentioned a few things. Too. So how can we look at, right? How can clinicians, what do clinicians have in their armamentarium that they can look at and say, look, yeah, you, your endothelial cells are, you know, healthy or unhealthy or they are you know you're about to what are the things out there that are commercial that one can either if you're a clinician you can ask for you can start doing in your practice or i call them self-health self-health advocates right right? what can a self-health advocate do to and ask for with to their miles i spoke to you know again alan and a few others what am i missing what am i missing I still see the same five biomarkers being, you know, being yeah, ordered yeah. for cardiovascular in their lipid uh, panel. Yes, no, yeah. it's you know total cholesterol, but this is by a cardiologist. This is not by GP. Just regular total cholesterol, LDL, right. HDL, triglycerides. Right. It's like so. What am what I was like? What am, right. am I? You know, I'm never. Am I missing something? You know, it's very frustrating. So, what else is out there that we can look at or ask for as it relates to endothelial yeah. health? Well, great question. And yeah, you're right. I think, you know, part of the reason is unfortunately, a lot of our colleagues practice, and you know, and they have to in accordance to what insurance covers. And unfortunately, insurance doesn't cover these broader panels and risk assessment tools, which doesn't make sense to me because they're very well proven, but many of them don't. So, what are those? other type of measures. And by the way, you're absolutely right. Like regular cholesterol, actually more heart attacks occur in people with normal cholesterol than abnormal cholesterol. The majority of heart attacks occur in people with normal panels. If you're just looking at LDL, HDL, triglycerides and total cholesterol. So you do have to look deeper and you have to look at the two parts. Basically you have to look at inflammation. Cause like we talked about, it's not just about cholesterol and plaque. It's about, is that cholesterol and plaque inflamed? And then you have to look at your propensity to build up cholesterol. How do you measure that? So in terms of propensity to build up cholesterol, you want to look at some of these broader panels. They're called NMR panels or VAP panels that look at all of the particles that act like LDL that are dangerous and higher likelihood mm-hmm. of building up plaque. And those are called ApoB. So that's one good way to just collect all together, all the type of LDL particles. And then all the good ones that are like HDL are called ApoA. So a great measure is looking at your ApoA, your ApoB in that ratio. And you want to have a lot more of the A than the B. The other thing to look at is something called LP. Is there a good ratio number between A and B that you're looking for? Basically, you ideally want the B to A to be 0.2 or less. 
Yeah, so you mm -hmm. want, that would be ideal. Great. And let me check on that if we're going to edit this, because I got to double check that I'm right on that one before we publish that. Yeah, no worries. Actually, we, and if it's something different, we, I'll say it or we yeah. can, you know, don't worry about the specifics okay. yeah. as much. So that you have your ApoA, your ApoB, and then you also want to look at something called LP little a, lipoprotein little a. So lipoprotein is a fat protein combination. It's a lot like cholesterol, but very different from cholesterol. It's not at all picked mm -hmm. up in a regular cholesterol panel. And yet it's a very high like indicator of risk. If that is elevated, you have a very high risk for heart disease and it's very genetically driven. So it's actually pretty hard by lifestyle to drive it down. There's some medications that can drive it down, but it's important to know because if that's high, then you need to be extra good about all your other risk factors for heart disease. In fact, there was a guy, I don't know if you remember Bob Harper, who is the, my biggest loser trainer, crazy fit guy. He had a heart attack, crazy fit. His cholesterol was normal. And I was there's a New York Times writer who wrote about this, and I was on his podcast talking about it because the only marker that could have anticipated him having a heart attack was his LP little a was really high, and no one had tested it. They tested it after to try and investigate. Why does this crazy fit guy with normal cholesterol, who was like in his 30s, I think, have a heart attack? He ended up being fine. And it was LP little a. And in this New York Times article, he was writing like, this is ridiculous. Why aren't doctors measuring it? Well, they're not measuring because insurance isn't covering it. And yet he showed in this article how much science there is to this marker and how relevant it is to an individual. Unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so it's not that expensive. Get it done. LP little a. So that's those are the big ones, I would say. ApoA yeah. for propensity to accumulate plaque. And then and triglycerides are important more as a marker of are you getting in too much carbohydrates because that's really how they get stored. Lately, there's some evidence that uric acid may be a good marker for blood sugar issues as it relates to plaque. But those main ones, I would say, are the ApoA, ApoB, LP, little a. And then in terms of inflammation and that plaque causing problems, you want to look at inflammatory markers, things like myeloperoxidase called MPLAC. And then the big one is high sensitive CRP, C-reactive protein, mm -hmm. which is very correlated with inflammation as it relates to heart disease risk. You can get all those. There are panels you can find out there. There's Boston Heart Lab, Berkeley Heart Lab, Cleveland Heart Lab. Some of them are owned by some of the bigger commercial labs. Vibrant America does one that I order. So a lot of labs have those, and it depends if you're going to try and get insurance to cover it or pay cash. But I would certainly look for those as a minimum. Let me let, can I talk about that yeah. a little bit just for a second? Labs. <clears throat> the issue is like it happened with Bar Bob Harper is that for many reasons that the patient that has no idea about these things are not being ordered or they're not being educated because they're right. not covered. So if you're not covered, you're not going to get educated on right. these things. There are labs like Vibrant Labs. I have no connection with financial association with Vibrant Labs where you can get your and you need to do it through a doctor. You could get labs for very cheap yeah. cost relative to what it would cost for other commercial yeah. labs. So I would I, so for the consumer, I would say look for labs like Vibrant Labs. They're also called Vibrant Wellness Labs, I think, or Vibrant right. America. And is an excellent labs. Ask your doctor about it or find a way that, because I tell you, for a full, you could get it for $100, you could get a decent absolutely, panel exactly. from them. And it's a very good yes, service. Absolutely.
Yeah, and I do recommend. So, so Miles, what? I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, you can order them yourself, but if, even if you do, you need to have a professional really interpret it with you because it's confusing, 100%. and you want to make the right decisions. There's a lot of false information out there, so ideally, do it through a clinician. And let me be clear, <laughs> Vibrant Labs. Actually, I have no idea if you could get if you could order no, on you your can. own. My understanding yeah. is that you right. can. You need to do it through a right. physician. But there are labs out there that people can order on their yeah. own. You know, a little bit of buyer yeah. beware, right? For number one, the validity of those labs, I certainly don't know. And number two is you need an expert to look at these labs and interpret them properly. Yeah, you can look things up on the internet, but there's nothing like, you know, going to an expert who can, knows, does this for a living and can interpret these biomarkers to tell you what is your risk of, in this case, right. a heart attack. Really important yeah. to do. What else? So... Here we are. We're going to hang out around the inside of an of an artery. And within the last year, this other substance in there that's supposed to be really protective called glycocalyx. Right. This is a layer there that's supposedly protective for, you know, protecting the blood right, vessels. Right. What's, what is yeah, it, glycocalyx? Yeah. And what do we do Absolutely. with this? Yeah. And this was something we didn't know about even a few years ago. So, we talked about endothelial cells that line all those 60,000 miles of blood vessels and how important those is and how that's kind of upstream. Any kind of risk factors that cause heart attacks cause that through damaging that endothelium. Well, what does that mean, damaging the endothelium? A lot of it means damaging even smaller than just those cells within those cells, this lining of those cells called the endothelial glycocalyx. And what that is, like hair-like projection, it's genius. It's really like the body is mm -hmm. amazing. And this is further proof of that. It sure so is. These, the reason these are like hair-like projections that line all of these 60,000 miles, this endothelial glycocalyx, it's called a glycocalyx because it's made up of glycosaminoglycans and other products that help make sure that it's very flexible. And the reason it's hair-like is because it can detect flow of blood. It can detect what's called shear stress. How much blood flow? Is there a disturbance in blood flow? Because hypertension is going to change how the blood flow looks like. And other plaque up downstream or upstream are going to cause how much that flow is like. Imagine a tube where you have some blockages in some parts of the tube or you have it rushing too hard of a pressure. That's going to affect that shear stress. So these little hair-like projections can detect that and then can actually make some changes because these this endothelial glycocalyx harbors a bunch of different substances that help affect the health of that endothelium. So that endothelial glycocalyx actually houses something called superoxide dismutase, SOD, major antioxidant, really important antioxidant. So if it's detecting that there's, let's say, hypertension, it could say, okay, that means there's a risk of damage and oxidative damage. Let's help make sure there's more SOD being produced to help prevent some of that damage. The big thing that it also does is it is where a lot of our nitric oxide is produced. And so it's one of the mm. main ways we produce nitric oxide is through these cells called endothelial nitric oxide synthase, ENOS. You might hear it abbreviated that. That mm. lives in this endothelial glycocalyx. That requires a healthy endothelial glycocalyx to get enough ENOS produced, ENOS to produce nitric oxide. And nitric oxide is... It's like a neurotransmitter. We call it a gasotransmitter. It's one of the most important substances for keeping blood vessels open, for making sure the permeability is right, for preventing platelets. All the things I said endotheliums, endothelial cells do, a lot of that is because of the nitric oxide, preventing stickiness, preventing plaque. So that healthy endothelial glycocalyx helps make sure there's healthy antioxidant production from SOD and healthy nitric oxide production. 
And now let's give a little love to our sponsor. You know, we are here in Heart Health Month, February, and this is the Heart Series here at Dr. Geo Podcast. And I want to thank our sponsor, Calroy. Calroy produces two excellent dietary supplements. One is called Arteriosol HP, and the other one is Vasconox. And both do an excellent job in supporting cardiovascular health. Arteriosol HP helps with the production of the endothelial glycocalyx. You'll learn about that with Dr. Miles Spar in this series, where you need that particular lining in the endothelial cells to help your heart and your blood vessels and vascular system work well. Vasconox works in the proper production of nitric oxide to, again, help your vascular system and your heart stay nice and healthy. Arteriosol HP and Vasconox make the perfect combination for vascular support. Give your glycocalyx and nitric oxide production the attention they deserve. Heading over to the website, calroy.com backlash geo. That's calroy, C-A-L-R-O-Y.com backlash D-R-G-E-O. I'll see you there. Thanks for mentioning that. That was a lot. No, and I appreciate that. that. No, I, I do because this is something, again, I don't even know that this is even taught in medical school right, right now. And this is like more recent, more modern science that is critical for the goal, right? As we're men, we're goal oriented, as we said before, you know, how do you prevent a heart attack? Well, th this is the conversation, yeah. right? And you said about nitric oxide, guys, nitric oxide, dilation of arteries, right. helps blood flow, helps improve blood flow crucially important for erections. Exactly. So when we're talking about erections as well, we're talking about, hey, how good is the nitric oxide production, which again, as Dr. Spar mentions here, is like it, you need enough of these eno to create nitric oxide and having enough of these glycocalyx is important. Miles, the glycocalyx, I'm kind of, because I mean, I looked up research on it prior to our conversation. It's been in my mind for a while. Yeah. Literally, like even the arteries of the penis have this glycocalyx yes. layer that like every, all 60,000, you know, 60,000. Yes. Wow. It. It's only recently been imaged because it required special electron microscopy type imaging. So yeah, if you look online there, you can certainly find pictures looking head on at a blood vessel and you'll see these little hair like things. They're micro thin i mean micro thin so much 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 thinner than even the diameter or the cross section of an endothelial cell itself fascinating yeah. how do we diminish this layer of glycocalyx through life through aging as we get older mm -hmm. lifestyle and that's question number one and the question number two how do we regenerate yeah. that right so we talk a lot about in the world in our world mitochondria right, right? mitochondrial function very important all right re gener regeneration of mitochondria right right? Really important. How do we regenerate glycocalyx in the endothelial yeah. cells? Well, so first of all, the damage happens from everything we think about as causing oxidative damage and causing damage to our blood vessels as damages this endothelial glycocalyx. And unfortunately, the biggest thing is aging. 
with aging, we get damage to the glycocalyx. Plus, you get a double whammy because you also get less efficient nitric oxide production. That ENOS enzyme that produces nitric oxide gets what's called uncoupled and gets less efficient as we age. So we're kind of screwed. <laughs> we get damage yeah. to the glycocalyx, and we have, even if the glycocalyx was great, we'd have less efficient production of nitric oxide. So what do we do about that? Well, a lot of science has looked at, okay, what is endothelial glycocalyx made of? Like I said, these glycosaminoglycans, gags, and are there substances that are gag-like that could help restore it? It turns out that it actually is pretty resilient and even able to be restored. Some of the main kind of substances that were found naturally that can help restore it are marine from the sea, marine polysaccharides. So certain seaweeds, mm. for example, actually have been shown to help because they have some of these glycosinoglycans and they can help restore that very fragile but resilient endothelial glycocalyx. Wow. So, all right, let's take it a step back for a sec. Are there, aging is tricky. Yeah. I'm like, is it just aging? Is it because I lived a poor life for 50 years, now I'm aging, or is it lifestyle? Yeah. What is it, specifically as it relates to the endothelial cells and this glycocalyx layer, is it, is there anything, have we seen that exercise, yeah. improve, you know, or is it simply what we consume? What have you seen specific to the glycocalyx that if we do this, A, B, yeah. and C, we'll have a good layer of, you know, of glycocalyx for as long as possible, or at least regenerate. Yeah, well, it's basically minimizing those insults, because we know that being sedentary, smoking, having high blood pressure, having high blood sugar, damage it. So doing the opposite of those things is what's going to protect it. Mm -hmm. That's the main thing. And then we certainly know that in terms of helping support nitric oxide, that exercise and eating healthier and eating plant-based diets are going to help decrease that uncoupling and keep the efficiency of that ENOS enzyme going better for a longer period of time. Excellent. So the basic things that we would do for mitochondrial health, yeah. actually, for prevention of prostate cancer, yeah. for, you know, BPH, yeah. for even increasing testosterone naturally, you know, those are the basic. Exactly. Yeah. No, it's yeah. luckily, right? It would be really confusing if I said to you, well, actually, smoking's great for you. <laughs> You're like, oh, it'll it be great for those that. <laughs> which do I do? <laughs> luckily, yeah, it's not rocket science. It's really all the same things that have multiple ways of helping keep you healthier longer. So you mentioned marine seaweed. Yeah, Very yeah. interesting. So marine seaweed seems to help with this and there's data to support there is, this there information. Is. So there is there was actually the development of a microfluidic chip. It was called a chip that can house human endothelial cells lined with this endothelial glycocalyx patented by the company called Calroy. Um, and they tested mm -hmm. a bunch of different substances to see what could protect that endothelial glycocalyx when they exposed it to high blood sugar? Because high blood sugar, like high blood pressure, is one of the main things that damages this glycocalyx. So they knew that there was a lot of, you know, kind of in vitro studies looking at these marine polysaccharides. So they tested all different kinds of seaweeds, brown seaweeds, green seaweeds. And they found that this one form of green seaweed called Monostroma nididum was the genus and species actually regenerated that endothelial glycocalyx to be even better than it was before it was damaged from the high blood sugar. Um, mm -hmm. It has a substance called ramnin sulfate in there, which is like a glycosaminoglycan that's very safe and powerful at helping protect and even help restore that endothelial glycocalyx. I love it. You know, you know what we'll do here, Miles? Openly say that uh, Roy is a, co a great company, backed up as a great nutraceutical company with great yeah, science behind their products. Weird. 
I, at this, at, yeah, they're fabulous. And it's important to say because I think that, you know, in the nutraceutical world, there's very, sometimes very little yes. substance behind products. And I think that uh, there's very little clinical substance, there's very little scientific. It's almost like you create something and it works. Why? Because we can market it really right, well. Exactly. In this case, it's different. It's okay to mention names. I'll say that, that you, are not being paid by Calroy to be on right. my podcast. You do have paid gigs with them in other right. arenas, other conferences, but exactly. not here. And they may or may not be, hopefully they will be a sponsor to this podcast because I do believe in their. So by the time this podcast is published, the audience will know that if they are or not. And that's just for yeah, full disclosure. Yeah. Let's go ahead and mention the, so I know they have a few yeah. products and people are going to ask me anyway, and I'm okay with, you know, uh, letting people know what to get if they think is yeah. the right thing for them. What are the products? I know that one of them, I believe is the arterial soul yeah. has the marine seaweed yep. as one exactly. of the ingredients. Are there other ingredients in this product that is known to help with this glycocalyx generation? It has some other natural parts to it that help that work better, but really that's the main unique part of it is that it's called arterial And yeah, that's the main foundational part of it is this remnant sulfate. Now they couple it. They have another Excellent. product that I like as well. Just while, and again, I'm not getting paid, you know, on this podcast by them, but I just, I've seen, I take the stuff. I have everybody I know take it. They have another thing, speaking of erectile dysfunction, that helps with nitric oxide. It's called Vasconox. And the mm -hmm. cool thing about that mm -hmm. one, just to educate people about is, so like you mentioned, nitric oxide is important for erectile dysfunction. The reason it works for nitric, for erectile dysfunction, it helps blood flow. And to get a little sciencey, how does it help blood flow? Well, it actually helps increase what's called cyclic GMP, right? So that's what actually, mm -hmm. when cyclic GMP is increased, that dilate, that makes the smooth muscle cells that line the blood vessel relax and makes the blood vessel dilate, get bigger, and get more blood flow. Problem is, this other enzyme, which your listeners are probably have heard of, called phosphodiesterase or PDE5, comes in and then destroys that cyclic GMP and then tries to bring it down. Mm -hmm. So that's why people take Cialis and Viagra because that's a PDE5 inhibitor that stops that PDE5 from getting rid of the cyclic GMP. So cyclic GMP can stay higher longer and the smooth muscle cells can be relaxed longer and the blood vessel gets dilated longer and you get more blood flow and better erections. Well, this other product not only helps nitric oxide, it helps something called hydrogen sulfide, which actually acts like a natural PD5 inhibitor. Hydrogen sulfide helps nitric oxide work better in a lot of ways and helps it stay higher and longer. But it, one of the ways it helps specifically with blood vessel dilation is it actually acts like a natural PD5 inhibitor and helps that nitric oxide keep the blood vessel dilated. So that one's called Vasconox. So I like the two together because you're protecting the endothelial glycocalyx and you're helping protect nitric oxide production. Wonderful. Thank you for that. I thank you for that explanation because I was, you know, when you think arterial health, you're thinking cardiovascular health, I'm thinking, you know, penile health right. as well. And how can, you know, certain things that help with arterial health for cardiovascular health help with erections, exactly. which is, again, an important barometer to to, to a man and just important an important scenario for men. It's, it's just, a, if you were flying the wall, like I always tell people, I mean, you've seen men, it's like those conversations, like, yeah, I, it's like desperation. Right. It's like, you know, the most interesting thing is, you know, if they have a, a one fall, one scenario where they couldn't yeah, get an erection, yeah. 
right? It's like the world is about right. to end. I know, right, right? Right? It's like, oh man, oh, I can't believe it. I tried it, it just didn't work. Or you know, they had an erection, and then it became flaccid in the middle of a right. of intercourse. I mean, these are really, uh, you know, so it's sort of bringing some light to that conversation as to how do you gain good erections, maintain good erections, and it is indeed once again, yeah, for good times and so forth, an important component yes, to overall absolutely. health for men. Quick Absolutely. side funny story. Quick side, I got Ma- this ad. Yeah, go ahead. Health. So I'm training for the Boston Marathon, okay? And it's friggin' freezing outside. And I'm like, God, I gotta run like on my training program like 11 oh, miles today, right? Because it's April, in mid-April, yeah. and so I gotta be training now. And it's so cold outside. And I have like a, a trainer that trains a whole group of us and sends out like the training program. <laughs> <laughs> and in his email, he's like, all right, we're supposed to all do our like 11 mile run this weekend. It's really cold. The wind chill is like, I don't know. It's like one. It is one. Okay. The wind chill is one degree. So he literally put out there, okay, here's what you got to wear. And you do all these layers. And he said, and for the men, don't just wear tights. There is penile frostbite. And you need to make sure on top of your tights, you wear shorts to block the wind. And I was like, did I just read that? <laughs> you know, I might have experienced that. Have you ever, like, you know, so I was a huge person into running back in the day. I mean, I did half marathons. It was amazing. And it, there was no bad weather yeah, for me yeah. to go running. Just, and it's like, just you know, just will it. Right. And it doesn't matter. You just go put on the right gear. Right. I didn't know about all this. I didn't know uh, about, you know, the. and I went and I tell you, that my ah. penis literally <laughs> hurt for weeks, actually, even after right. it thawed, <laughs> right? It still it was like really uncomfortable uh. and painful. So yes, I can certainly see how there right. could be frostbite to the penis. And I didn't right. even know yeah. that hack. When when was, so, so now what, what do you do now? You wear two yeah, or three shorts wind, above? <laughs> windbreaker for your, there's a market. Okay, Dr. Gio. You know? I was gonna say. I was just gonna say. I'm sure there's a strap right, or something for this. Geo's penile windbreaker. Yes. <laughs> for yes, specifically well. for runners. My my nephew works for the on yeah, run yeah. company, and maybe there I'll collaborate go. with those right. guys. Yeah, you know. Miles, final words on cardiovascular health, even penile health, and and endothelial health, and glycocalyx. Final words. I would words. just say. Upstream, look upstream, you know, don't just treat the symptom you're having. Like you said, if you have ED, if you have erection issues, look to see, is there something going on systemically that's affecting your arteries? That's the most important take home message and check it out and get some of these advanced testing done. And also know that all of these behaviors that we talk about macro wise that affect your health there's a reason they affect your health. There's a reason why exercising and watching your blood sugar and watching your blood pressure and eating more plants and all that helps. It's because we have the science that shows it's down to that microscopic thin lining of the blood vessels. That's what gets damaged. So, you know, follow all those and you'll be protecting those little hairy linings of your blood vessels. Excellent. And look, marine seaweed. I'll be looking into this marine seaweed. Right. Thank you, Miles. Thanks so much. I really appreciate you being with me here and all the best. All right, listeners, thank you so much for listening or for and for viewing. This is Dr. Gio. Much love. I'll see you next time. 
Our next sponsor partner has a product I use literally every day. I'm talking about AG1. You know, I've been using green powders mixed in drinks for a long time. It has not always been a great experience, right? The powder clumps up a little bit. It tastes horrible. But you know what? You chug it anyway because it's good for you. AG1 changed the game. In AG1, you have... 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source ingredients, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day the right way. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, and energy to help you recover and focus and help you age successfully. To make it easy, AG1 is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash Dr. Geo. Again, that is athleticgreens.com forward slash Dr. Geo to take ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. And now for a brief disclaimer. This podcast is for general information only, and we're not forming a doctor-patient relationship through this medium. The use of the information and all links associated with this podcast is at the listener's risk and is not to replace medical advice from a physician or a healthcare practitioner. Lastly, thoughts and opinions related to this podcast are my own and may not reflect the views of any institution or organization I'm associated with. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Dr. Geo podcast. You can watch all episodes of this podcast and much more by subscribing to my YouTube channel on youtube.com forward slash Geo Espinoza ND. If you love what you heard today, you can help by leaving a five-star review of the podcast on Apple and Spotify, as each review helps us reach more men who are serious about improving their urological health and how to function better with age. And for the latest research and actionable takeaways in the world of men's health and integrative urology, sign up for my newsletter at drgeo.com. I'll see you next time.